Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 23. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. This week, we're talking about An American Werewolf in London. Yeah, a podcast favorite. Oh yeah, definitely. We watched this movie together a year ago, almost exactly. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked in your letterbox diary. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was like April 16th, 2016. So... For those of you who don't know, this is the 1981 John Landis movie. John Landis, best known for Animal House and Blues Brothers and Coming to America and <laughs> movies like that, Training Places. Do you want to hear uh, my first my first trivia fact of the podcast about that? It's that the trailer for this movie said by the by the with the creator of Animal House. Yeah. So everyone who came to see it thought it was going to be fun. And people were so terrified that they just, like, ran out of the theater screaming. I mean, fair. <laughs> like, not just like, oh, I'm in the wrong movie. Like, I'm so in the wrong movie, I have to get up and run out of the theater immediately. That's how scary this was to people. It is weird that John Landis made this movie. As far as I could tell, he made one other horror film uh, called Innocent Blood in 1992. And it seems similarly, like, bridging the gap, like, horror comedy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was a $10 million budget. And it made $62 million in the box office. So nice. This is a smash hit. So not, not everybody <laughs> ran out of the theater. No, some people liked it. We should also mention that for us, this is our first werewolf movie. Yes, it is. I don't hate werewolves as much as I hate vampires, just so you're aware. Oh, good to know. I feel like there aren't that many good werewolf movies, though. No, actually, I feel like from what, what I was researching about this movie, this was kind of during the werewolf... Boom. Boom, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 Or exactly. reboot, probably. yeah. Which is very interesting that there was just a little, there was a brief moment where everybody wanted to do werewolf makeup and tell werewolf stories. And oh, yeah. And it just died off whenever it was finished doing it. I can't think, I actually can't think of anything modern. Ginger Snaps? Yeah, I guess. Cursed by Wes Craven. <laughs> a terrible movie that I've gone on record as saying is my first ever horror movie. It's the first one I ever watched. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. That's really funny. I said on episode one of this podcast. Wow. And intrepid movie. Intrepid listeners will know. <laughs> Do you need to look at your notes for a minute? No. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I want to see most of them at the end, but you just set me up for that first one. Okay. I also, like, just to get this out of the way, I love this movie. Love, capital L-O-V-E. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it was at a midnight, like, showing here in Chicago. Um, I was in college, and it was at, I think it was at the Portage Theater, shout oh. out, which I'm pretty sure doesn't exist anymore. Oh, shame. And David Naughton, who plays David in this movie, mm-hmm. was there. Oh, you did tell me that. That's crazy. Yeah. It was super cool. It was yeah. a great way to experience this for the first time. was like in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. This has been a, a staple of my favorite horror movies ever since. Yeah. I don't L-O-V-E love this movie, but I do love it. Uh, I think that it's too body horror-ish for me to really like fully dive in and really enjoy it um between the werewolf transformations and the uh slow decay of the friend i can't really like you know 100 percent love it i have to i have to shield my eyes too much but i love a lot of it i don't like that you're prefacing this that way why you're giving it a bad rap no i'm not you capital l-o-v love it i 
listeners, I want every one of you to go watch this movie. I agree. I think this I movie agree. has is it is enjoyable to non horror fans. I even like. Yeah. I think this is just like a truly great movie. Yeah, it's not necessarily a horror horror movie. It's a horror movie, but it's also very fun. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. It's, it's very sad. It's doing a lot of things. I think what you're talking about is just that the makeup is incredible. Just like truly it is groundbreaking. Awesome. It's actually like it is groundbreaking. Well, yeah. But you know, it won the first ever Oscar for yeah, best, for makeup. best makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was created in 19. That category was created in 1991 yeah. for this movie. Uh, no, I know, but my personal preference is to not be grossed out by werewolf transformations, so. I guess, if you, yeah, if you hate fun. <laughs> I, I hate, I hate fun, exactly. I agree, about, everyone should go watch this movie. It yeah. is a classic, it is, uh, a lot of fun, also very sad. It's, it's great, it's a fantastic movie, I just can't, uh, completely devote myself to it. I just think you're a hater. I am a hater. Don't be such a hater. I'm a hater of gross things. Sorry. <sighs> this movie's not even that gross. It's so gross. No, it's not. It's so gross. I mean, it's awesome, we but it's gross. We watched Hellraiser. I don't know how you could say uh, that. And I said the same thing then, which is that it's gross. So <sighs> I'm consistent. You want to talk about uh, the plot of this movie? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. It's not too complicated. It's... No, it's it's fairly straightforward. And that, like, I mean, the title kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, two, two Americans, really. Oh, yes. Uh, in, in the beginning of the movie. So it starts off with two boys. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, it starts off in Medias Res. We got these kids on the back of a truck full what of sheep. What are their names? Names are Jack and David. Mm-hmm. David Kessler and Jack Goodman. Jack Goodman. Uh, they're best friends. They're best friends. It starts with them Bosom bantering. Buddies. Like, Yeah, it's very cute. I actually wrote down immediately, and I remember this from last time we watched it. Like, They are so... Uh, like amiable mm-hmm. like in a in a very natural amazing way that like i love um it's so funny because I, I, a fact you told me when we first watched this that um they filmed this movie from beginning to end mm-hmm. um which is very unusual for film but like, totally it, chronologically it means that that first scene is the first scene between those two actors mm-hmm. which makes their camaraderie their really very real camaraderie even more impressive mm-hmm. and i remember thinking to myself like they are so much fun you automatically feel like you know them, you've met them. They're a great pair of boys. The great pair of boys. I actually think that they're really gross, too. And that's what I find so interesting about this movie is they're that realistic. It, it immediately like brings me into them. They have such incredible chemistry. And I actually have some mm-hmm. quotes I want to read for this whole first section of the movie that I just think they're so funny and they're so charming and they play off each other so well. But in, in almost any other context, I would be really annoyed. You know, they're talking about uh, wanting to have sex with Debbie Klein. And, like, yeah. it's, it's like, pretty, like, bro-y. Yeah, in but a, that's, it's like... It's very 80s, too. It's very, it's very 80s. Yeah. And it's very, like, what you'd expect from these two boys on this, like, European tour together. Well, I don't know why... I mean, I don't know why I, I want to forgive them, but I kind of do. Like, I kind of want to, like, brush it aside because I think that they are so charming. Well, that's the thing, though, is he's not just saying, I want to go, like fuck this one woman he's specifically like it's debbie klein it's this girl that he's been like in love with forever and then he like says later that she like you know he he brings her up again later and so it's a yeah. very like it's it's not just like they see a hot girl in europe and they're like she's the one like this is his like high school crush and it, it makes it a little bit more forgivable a little don't you think? yeah a little no they're still they're still gross you know yeah college boys but like it makes it very real it makes it feel so like you know you know them i know them 
Yeah. I just, I think their banter is so good, even later in the movie, but specifically in this opening scene, it just establishes their world very quickly and really mm-hmm. effectively. So they're walking through Northern England. It feels like Scotland, but it's not. I think a lot of Northern England feels yeah, like Scotland. Yeah, well, because they're on the moors. They're yeah. told to stay off the moors. They well, don't. Yeah. Well, they go to the, the Slaughtered Lamb, which is a pub. Um, <laughs> Why you'd ever go in there. The Slaughtered Lamb. Don't ask me. Yeah. They're idiots. And I do want to read a quote here, which is just like, I think my delivery is not going to be any good, but so exemplifies their great banter, mm-hmm. which is like, there's a fucking pentagram on the wall, which like, get the fuck out. <laughs> do like, not. There's candles. Like, get out of there. And Jack's like, it's it's a five-pointed star. David's like, maybe the owners are from Texas. And the waitress walks over and he goes, remember the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> and it leads like you know dialogue it leads into the yeah but one, it's, they remember the alamo and they say a lot of people die very bloody and i was like hmm i just possible like, foreshadowing for this movie his delivery there of just be like remember the alamo it's just like it's so good hysterical and then he starts talking, he mentions but like, this so awkward line lon shady jr of universal studios maintains that's the mark of the wolfman <laughs> because of course it's a universal picture like a hundred percent gotta shout out those classic monsters Basically, they piss off the residents. Yeah, what's the... I was going to say the, sh- the shot that was my favorite. Um, I think it was the scene. It's not the next one. They say something, and then he throws the yeah, dart. Yeah, you made me miss. Yeah. What is? He, what do they say? That they're makes asking him... what the thing on the wall is. Oh, they're all laughing. There's this moment where they're all laughing together, and then Jack's like, ha, 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 ha. What's that pentagram? And the next line, next shot is a dartboard a dart like, missing, missing a dartboard. and it's like such a great i love that moment it's so well, tense the actor is really scary there he's yes. like you made me you miss made me i haven't never met that boy yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. yeah and they're like they're weird they're spooky but they're also like i think they look like northern english people yeah you know like the one guy with the really red face he just looks like you would walk into any oh, for sure. and find him. And, yeah, you don't want to run into him. No. <laughs> so they get kicked out because, of course, they do. And it's raining because, of course, it is. Yep. They're singing Santa Lucia on the, like, walking through the rain. They're so cute. It's They're just great. They're so cute. And so many bad things are about to befall we're them. Supposed to, like, we're supposed to really like them very quickly, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they're not listening to and what care anyone about their said. Friendship. And they refuse to stay off the moors. I know. They're like, stay on the road. And then suddenly they look down and they're like, we're not on the road anymore. Like, were you not paying attention? They just wandered off the road, and they're like, oh, shit. Surprising nobody. They get attacked by a werewolf. <laughs> Surprising them. Well, They're surprised. They're stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the thing about this movie. It's very self-aware, and it telegraphs everything. Yes. And, like, everything that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to deceive you. It has some twists, but they're not, like, plot twists. It's more, oh, this is a new wrinkle in this. Yeah. So they get attacked by a werewolf. Jack dies. He gets mauled. Yeah. And... David just gets bit. Mm-hmm. He has like a scratches on his chest, right? Yeah. And on his face a little bit. So he wakes up in the hospital. It's three weeks later, mm-hmm. which is a long fucking time. He's been in a coma for three weeks. Yeah. Uh, for those counting, three weeks, that means the next full moon's in <gasps> one week. They yeah. did a really convenient thing by making him asleep for three weeks. Oh, yeah. It really yeah, shortens yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a cute nurse there taking care of him. Her name is Alex. Alex. She's great. Alex Price. She, like, they really connect right away. Mm-hmm. Um, she takes care of him, but they also clearly have that romantic glimmer, um, which I don't really understand. Nope, not at all. Because he is acting cuckoo bananas, yep. and she loves it. Yeah. She's so into it. He is doing the weirdest shit, and she's like, yes, do it again. Come home with me. I love you. So 
That's what happens. He goes home with her, but like, he gets out of the she hospital. She says, they come home with together. me. Like, yes. Day one. She invites this foreigner into well, her home. Well, when we get when we get out of the hospital, the rest of this movie takes place over two days. Yeah. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in the hospital for a while. They go home. They have sex. They're setting up to, like, have a little... Life together. Life together. It's domestic life. Very like, strange. He has nothing to do all day. She just goes to work and he stays home. And... But, like, that's... They just immediately settle into domesticity. Yeah. It's so interesting. And his family, like, he talks to his mom on the phone, doesn't he? Or they call his parents. Well, they call his parents when he's in the hospital. Right. He doesn't talk to his parents. He talks to his he sister. He only talks to his sister, but that's later. Yeah. Um. So they don't even call him. They're not coming. He's just like, I guess I'm going to shack up with this British lady. Yeah. And we're just going to live in happy bliss forever. Bye. Bye, family. The only thing threatening David's bliss point. is the fact that uh, Jack has reappeared to him in Visions... <laughs> And told him that he's a werewolf. He he comes for the first time in the hospital. In the hospital, and yeah. then the second time at Alex's, at Alex's house. house. Yeah, so but at this point, uh, twice. Like, hey, you're a werewolf. I'm stuck in purgatory. You gotta kill yourself. You have to kill yourself. Which is one of these twists I mentioned, where it's like that's not where <laughs> most stories go. No, it's just Jack's like. Yeah, you have to kill yourself because the bloodline has yeah, to end. That'll free me and also free you from like killing someone. Yes. And David's reaction to this is probably, like, a normal reaction, which is, like, I this is not real. Well, he's not... The thing that I find really striking about it is that he he knows what's going on. He sees Jack and he's like, you're dead. Why are you talking to me? Like, mm-hmm. he's very rational about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, I'm not a fucking werewolf. Like, stop. Well, it's it, and it seems to me, like, when I was watching it, that's such a, like... You could so blame that on an intrusive thought, you know? Oh, yeah. That, like... He's he's dealing with the grief of his friend or grief of grief from the loss of his friend. He especially because he reacted badly. Exactly, he ran away from Jack when Jack was getting mauled. So like it's it's not his fault. No, but he didn't do what he could, and so could his you know like subconscious thoughts be blaming him? Yes. So could this be just a manifestation of his psyche coming to punish him and tell him to kill himself? absolutely and that's kind of how he approaches it like mm. more than just a hallucination or more than just like or or it being real he does he does not think it's real at first at all he also is having bad dreams mm. it's not like a huge thing but he's having dreams of himself running around the forest and other um, stuff other weird stuff we will definitely discuss later and he's having dreams about nurse price specifically before he moves in with her he's having dreams about like hurting her or her being hurt so, day one, they come from the hospital. They immediately have sex. They bone to Van Morrison's Moon Dance, mm-hmm. one of many great sound cues in this movie. Day two, uh, Alex has to go to work because she has a job, and she's not just this American abroad <laughs> hanging out doing whatever the hell they want. I know he doesn't have any money, does he? Like he's not doing anything, right? Well, yeah. So day he's two, just living he off is, of Alex. He is so bored. Well, again, there's no plan for this. It's only two days, right? So. She goes to work, and he, like, we get a montage of him walking around the apartment to Bad Moon Rising. Yeah, he's flipping out. He has just, nothing to do. He's opening the fridge and, like, looking at it and be like, I'm not hungry. I'm not what hungry. am I doing? He's trying to read a book. He can't read yeah. a book for five seconds. He's trying to watch TV. He can't watch TV. Yeah. He's, like, really, really, really fucking restless. So, <laughs> while this is happening, uh, the doctor... Dr. Hirsch. Dr. Hirsch is going to investigate... The weird circumstances of, like, Jack's death. Right, because David in the hospital 
keeps telling everyone that they were, they were mauled by a animal, mm-hmm. an animal. And but the official coroner report says that it was man. It was right. like a, a crazy wild pr- man, yeah man attacked them. But of course, it's not consistent because how would a man rip apart right. Jack? Of course, like, it makes, it makes no sense. sense. So that's what Doctor Hirsch is like. You know what? This would actually make sense. To actually just go see what it, what is going on up here. Like, what's the deal? So he decides that he is now an investigator in addition to... Paranormal investigator. Like, chief of medicine or whatever the hell he is. Because he's, like, <laughs> he's a big shot at the hospital. Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, I'm going to go up to this town and figure out what's going on. So he's doing that. There's not that much to talk about there right now. Mm. Um, and so we cut back to David, who is sitting alone, reading uh, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Mm-hmm. To Blue Moon... When he just starts screaming. Shrieking at the top just, of his lungs. Just punctuating the blissful sounds of Blue Moon. And we get an extended scene of him transforming into a werewolf. An hour in, mind you. This mm-hmm. is the first time that we've seen a werewolf in full. Mm-hmm. The whole time. We saw a glimpse a of it glimpse, at the beginning. yeah. And now we're watching him transform. I assume this is what you think is so... It's awful. I think it's incredible. Oh, it, okay. Here. Sep- know that I'm separating these two things. T- it's technically incredible. Yeah. It's like, like we said, it won best makeup the first time anything could ever win best makeup. And Rick Baker did so much work on this. It's oh, yeah. unbelievable. Like, it's amazing. Then there's, you know, me, little old Liz Smart. It's horrifying. It is disgusting. Like, it's everything that... 70s and 80s movies, horror movies, make me just like, because it's so... It's supposed to be excruciating. Of course, it is. It is It is excruciating. It's excruciating in a really good way. It doesn't mean it's not excruciating. Mm-hmm. It's not pleasant to look at. His fingers are growing. Like, the heels of his hands and his feet are, like, elongating. His back is, like, his bones are crunching oh, in yeah. his skin. Like, it's awful. This is a good time to mention that Rick Baker has won the Best Makeup and Hairstyling Oscar seven times. <laughs> the next closest would be someone with three. Oh, my God. I mean, he deserves it. He's done the best He's work. He's the best. So then he goes on a werewolf rampage. Uh, he kills, kills... a lot of people. He kills a couple who are just trying to hang out. Hang, well, they're trying to sneak up on their friends. Well, they're trying to have fun. Yeah. He kills some homeless people. Three, three homeless people, yes. and then a man in a subway. It's, that, then, it's just them, right? Yeah, it's just them. Yeah. And then a man in a subway, which I think is the most horror scene in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Is him stalking him through the tube. Because mm-hmm. um, there's all those hallways and yeah. up the escalator. Like, it's a just the way that you sequence. would not want to be stalked through the tunnels of a subway system. Like, I feel like everyone's kind of had that moment where you sure. feel like someone's maybe following you, and it's really late at night, and you're still in the tunnels oh, yeah. of the subway. And it's so scary, and that's the reality of this. And of I think this it's section of the movie. It's shot really well, and it is like really tense. It's and, horrifying, yeah. and I feel like most werewolf movies or werewolf TV shows. You know, like I watch Teen Wolf, I roll, but uh, you don't need to out yourself here. I will. Uh, <laughs> I said I liked werewolves. I like them more than vampires. Um, in a lot of werewolf things, like your first night as a werewolf, maybe they have you kill one person or you or you don't kill a person you kill an animal and it's setting up like a building like like you're gonna build to something else or on the first night the werewolf the werewolf villain kills one and then they kill two and then they, and like the body count builds up over time the fact that like immediately david goes out and kills like seven people yeah. or six five people is like 
shocking. It's a it's a well, I think it's a big deviation. I, well, I think that's what indicative of what's so interesting about this movie is he only gets one night. Right. You know, this is what's happening. And well, he gets two. It's at this point where you really start to realize that there is, I don't know, because again, we're over an hour in at this point. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty clear where this has to go. So he wakes up the next morning at the zoo. <laughs> in the wolf pen yeah. with the wolves. There's some fun stuff we'll talk about later. Runs home to Alex, is like, I'm a werewolf. And, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he like... He's like, I killed people. No, he no, he does not know he killed people. Oh. He just feels great. He knows he's a werewolf. Oh, he wants to like have sex with her. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, I feel better than I ever have in my life. Yeah. And they get in a cab because... They're going to the hospital because... Hirsch is, hasn't Hirsch at this point called Doc, her and Dr. been like, Hirsch please is like, bring him here? Yeah, bring him here. I want to yeah. see what's going on. Because when he went to the t- the town, they told him about werewolves, right? Kind of. Someone let it slip that werewolves were involved. So now he's like, please bring that young man back to me so I can examine him further yeah. and see so what's going on with him. They're in a cab on the way there. The cab driver talks about this slaughter that happened last mm-hmm. night. David's like, oh my God. That was me. That was me. And he's a good moral boy. He... <laughs> Gets out of the cab, pay the cab driver. Has Alex pay the cab driver? He doesn't have any money. <laughs> but he's like, pay the cab driver. Runs to the first cop he sees and is like, arrest me. Put I me killed those prison. people. And the cop's like, no. Because <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. It's a funny. We should talk about all that stuff later, yes. too. Um, but he's immediately like, he's like, oh my God. Like, this is me. This is. I cannot. I cannot go on right, no. doing this. He, he He reacts very strongly to things most of the time. He's got a lot of like. The moment he realizes he's done wrong, he immediately tries to turn himself in and there's no scene of him trying to rationalize it or like even really run away from what he's done. Like no, he, has he a wants to turn himself moral in. Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though the next place he goes is a porno theater in Piccadilly Circus. <laughs> Gotta go see see you next Wednesday. Yeah. So he goes to the porno theater, presumably kinda like hide and collect his thoughts. Yes. And Jack shows up as well as all of the undead people he killed and they're like kill yourself (laughs) please seriously kill yourself start offering up all these different ways in which he can do it yeah very weird yeah and then he turns in the movie theater and then he turns into a werewolf he wreaks havoc in piccadilly circus Mm -hmm. they there's a there's a big scene of him running around cars crashing into each other like massive massive bloodbath body count meanwhile hirsch and alex are like running to the scene the um, cops managed to get him in an alley. Yeah. Is, is is it just the cops or is it like like the SWAT team? I feel like they, they have a yeah, lot of it's guns. Like special... It's special forces, yeah. And they uh, trap him. Alex, though, breaks through the police barricade, like runs down to the end of this alley where there's a wounded werewolf. Mm-hmm. Tries to talk him down. Tells him she loves him. Uh, The cops, he like, he like growls. Mm-hmm. The cops immediately shoot him dead. So he's dead. Alex mm-hmm. is standing there. She is then sobbing over his dead human body, and then. It's. It's uh. It's very sad. And then and then Blue Moon like it's yes the boppiest version of Blue it is it is so indicative of what I actually want to talk about first in terms of themes, which is the tone of this movie, which is that I think it's it's legit all over the place it this is. movie is in one moment laugh out loud funny with just like such sharp wit and such mm-hmm. good writing and then like this whole thing like the climax of this movie alex confronting and saying that she loves him is so fucking tragic and like in reaching and reaching for the human part of him yeah. which again the trope 
of that is that she reaches him, right? That happens in so many other movies and television that, like, you get through to them. And then in a different movie, David would come back and they'd embrace and everyone would clap and it'd be like, American Werewolf in London, yay! No. No. He is dead. All of London is watching this, like, dead boy. Does all of London just know that werewolves are real now? Like, Like, I don't know. The movie does not care about that afterthought. But it's devastating. And a lot of it also, I mean, like, the fact that Jack is dead is very devastating. As funny as he is, like, it's devastating that he is dead so young. And, like, he talks about his funeral and, like, David feels all this guilt. Well, again, and the core core sort of resolution of this, and what I said earlier about, like, it's clear, there's only one way for this to go, is that almost all of what Jack is talking about is just telling his best friend to kill himself. I know. You know, that is not what most horror movies or horror comedies even like are operating in it's not it's not you have to go solve the problem kill the ur werewolf or yes. you have to find some cure you have to kill yourself david and that is repeated over and over mm-hmm. again it is really fucked it's up very, very very dark but as you said lots of light moments oh yeah like a ton do you want to talk about any of them i would like to talk about all of them <laughs> um just a lot of it's super like quick and just sort of, especially on like my, I don't know, this is my seventh viewing of this movie. Who knows? Stuff like uh, when he wakes up in the hospital, the nurse is like quipping about like, oh, I think he's a Jew. Yeah. How would you know that? I had a look. I had a look. And then she's like, that's standard practice now. Yeah. And then the doctor, Hirsch comes in and is like, do you serve a purpose at this yeah. hospital? <laughs> like, get out. Well, even Dr. Hirsch, I think, and this also ties into something else I want to say about like, I think that all these characters have such deep, rich lives off screen. And I think this movie conveys mm-hmm. that really well. Which is the Dr. Hirsch, there's this whole, like, bit about he doesn't want to talk to Roger Matheson. And we don't really know who that is. But he's, like, someone who's trying to reach him on the phone. Oh, yeah. He's like, tell him I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Tell him I passed away. An old war wound. And it's just like... (laughs) That has nothing to do with this movie. No. But it's just this character who's like, I don't want to go... He's a big wig at the hospital. I don't want to talk to that fucking guy. Yeah. There's a kid kid that Alex serves who just says no to everything with like oh, a shitty so grin cute. he's adorable and he's like hilarious no. and all he he's does is so go, no 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 that's true that gives alex it's i think it's to show how who alex is and like yeah. what she's like with other patients and that she's obviously very warm to everyone um but it is it, it gives everyone very rich interior lives and uh david is really funny Oh, yeah. He's very funny. He has a really great sense of humor, and that is very evident also. When he wakes up in the zoo... <laughs> he's naked. He's naked. <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay, what am I... I can't, I can't just run straight into the zoo. He's not trying to get arrested at this point. If he, if he was, this <laughs> no, would be a solution. No, he wants to get home safe. He wants to get to Alex, so he's hiding behind a bush, and he's like... He's calling to some little child. To this, like, kid. With you know, balloons. Who's, like, he's, like, five. He's, like, four or five. Yeah. And he's, like, hey, give me your balloons. Uh, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you a pence. I'll give you two pounds, yeah. And uh, the kid's, like, who Who are you? What? <laughs> he's, like, I'm a balloon thief. Like, I'm the famous balloon thief. <laughs> and the kid's response is, why would a thief want to give me two pounds? <laughs> and then, you know, what he doesn't do, give him two pounds. He just takes the balloons He just and runs. runs. And then he goes up. But one of my favorite lines of the movie is that the kid goes up to his mom and is, like, Mommy, a naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> and then my absolute actual favorite part of the movie, which is it's a, a nice shot of a, a woman and a man sitting on a bench and her, the woman's beautiful red coat is oh, sitting yeah. next to her. 
and David, with balloons over his, you know, sensitive area, yeah. just dashes by. Oh, he just, like, runs by. Grabs the red coat and keeps going. And, and it's, then, just, it's just one shot. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so good. It's so good. And then when we next see him, he's walking up to Alex, and he's wearing this, like, red no, he's waiting for the bus. Oh, he's waiting for the bus, bus yeah. In this, in this red coat. <laughs> what does he say? He says something quippy to the guy yeah. in the line. Something about, like, the weather in yeah, yeah. London or something. It's so funny. But that's where we're at. And then also my other favorite um, moment that isn't, you know, it's, it's, it's 80s humor, but he, when he's trying to get arrested, he starts screaming things about oh, yeah, yeah. Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles, which at the end of the movie, apparently there's an apology to them. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. There's an apology to Prince Charles because they, he calls him gay. Okay. And they, they apologize. They're like, by the way, the people in this movie want to congratulate Prince Charles and Princess Diana on their marriage. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but my, fav- my favorite thing, the climax of him trying to piss off the cop by being obscene is saying Shakespeare's French. Okay. Like, Shakespeare's he says French? all this, like, heinous stuff that I don't want to see on this podcast. No. But it, it culminates in it being like, Shakespeare's French! <laughs> and this cop's he's like, like, that will piss off these people so yeah, much. It'll the, get me arrested. The cop's like, shut the fuck up. Just please stop. <laughs> Just leave us alone. So, love David. He's a funny guy. And then, Sadness. So he calls his sister when he knows he's going to die. Oh, yeah, it's sad. Between that scene where he's, like, trying to piss off the cop mm-hmm. and... Because he's run away from Alex at this point. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is when he loses Alex. Oh, Alex is going to go this. to Dr. Hirsch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So he calls his... He goes home. And he's, like... You know, he wants to talk to his parents one last time, presumably. But he reaches his 10-year-old sister. Because nobody else is home. And so we get this, like, little conversation between him and his sister. Only one-sided that we don't actually hear her, which is a very no. inter- another interesting way to do this scene is just what he's saying. Yeah. And again, it, it, especially at that point, it is so clear that, like, there's no alternative. This ends in David's death. You know, it's barreling mm-hmm. towards this one way or another. Especially because, like, as I said earlier, like, if you're the main werewolf in the movie and you kill five people on your first go, <laughs> like it's going to be really hard at that point for the movie to forgive you. Of course. Like how on earth could David go back to his life? Even if he wasn't a werewolf anymore, knowing that like he killed five people, like yeah. totally in cold blood. So yeah. he kind of has to die. Like that's what we're already setting up. I think, and I think starting the movie out with us having such empathy for him, you know, yes. us liking him immediately off the mm-hmm. bat. Because we like him more than Jack, because Jack's, you know, a little Jack is the little, is the grosser one. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who's always talking about sex. But, like, we always, we always really see the heart of, of David. So, yeah, it hurts. It hurts. I absolutely does. I think it's, it's, it really is to this movie's credit that it can be so silly and also make us feel emotions. I agree. I also, I think that it's a... To go back to what we were talking about earlier with the sort of, like, deep interior lives of these characters, I think that's also a factor of this movie's empathy. Um, the other example mm-hmm. that I wanted to bring up is the first people that he kills are this, like, couple. I was about to say that. Yeah, and, like... Who are going to scare their friends. Yeah, we get, we get maybe of them alive, because they come back to tell David to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Of alive, we maybe get, like, 30 seconds of them, but we feel like, you know, they're referencing characters that we haven't seen yet, and then we see them for a second. Yes. And it just... The way that they talk... It's with dialogue is written, it's the acting being so natural these characters feel like they exist beyond this scene in which they get murdered and it's really absolutely it's it's the two they're a couple you sense their togetherness yeah like this is a couple who likes to play pranks on their friend you see their friends later for again like probably 15 seconds and they're even yeah they're stuffy and posh and so the idea of these 
friends always sneaking up on these other friends to scare them. It's just so sweet. And then they die. And it's very sad. And there's, but like, yeah, the fact that they fit that characterization in there, the fact that we know something about these characters without, I mean, like, I don't without remember a their long names, movie about you know? them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even know their names when they die. We learn them later. Cause, later, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're in the theater with him. But they feel so, so fleshed out, even though there's almost nothing there. I think that's just like such great filmmaking. I agree. Do you want to talk about the uh, relationship between David and Alex? I would, because I'm actually have two minds about it. What are your two minds? My two minds are that on one hand, they are actually very sweet. Oh yeah, like they're very very cute together, and it's mostly the way that like he's so silly and she's so sweet mm-hmm. that they have when they when they're playing together, they have a you. It's clear they have a lot of fun. Like I'm thinking specifically of when he comes back after his first werewolf kill and he feels really great and he's walking down the street and he's like, let's go back to your apartment for a quickie. And and she's not like, Dave, stop. She's like giggling still because yeah. she's still having fun with him. And like, there's something there that's very, it's not just sexual chemistry. It's not just time and place. It's actually like these people have fun together mm-hmm. and they're enjoying each other's company. And in a different world, they could have been really happy so there is that. I, I do, same as what we just said about the interior lives of everybody, like, their relationship in some ways does feel very real and fleshed out. On the other hand, <laughs> Alex never knows what he is when he is not going through werewolf shit. Right. So he behaves in front of her, in the, specifically in the hospital, before she even takes him home. He acts crazy. He says bizarre stuff he kisses her out of nowhere. Well, yeah, that's... So he... Jack visits him mm-hmm. um, one night in the hospital. He does not like it. He is displeased. He probably has a bad dream that night mm-hmm. and then wakes up to Alex being there. Uh, he's, like, sort of distressed, and she says, David, what's wrong? And he grabs her and kisses her and says, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> At which point I wrote down, what a movie. <laughs> because she takes him home after I that. I know. She's like, oh my God, you're so cute. Tell well, me more about your being a werewolf. To be fair, to like actually get into this, she does, unfortunately, she does want to save him. That is clearly something going on with That's her. That's true. Because she says out loud, like, I find you I find you a little sad. Like, she does it as, like, as part of her yeah. story. You're very attractive and very sad. I like that. Um <laughs> And that is, I mean, like, that is an unfortunate real thing that, like, women think that they can save yes, men yes. Uh, who are probably bad for them. Right. And But it's just it's just so bizarre because you see her, she's a very responsible nurse at the hotel. I mean, hotel. She's a very responsible nurse at the hospital. Yeah. Like, Dr. Hirsch really likes her. Oh, yeah. Um, he gives her a lot of responsibility. He called, like, you know, he's he's put a lot on her. And her patients love her. And she is a very, she's a great woman. I think everyone oh, yeah. really likes her. So her, like ridiculous adoration of him when he has done nothing but be super weird to her listen it's so strange he is handsome he and they have amazing sexual they have great sex yeah they have like it's in the shower it's in the bed they're having a great oh yeah for sure but you know she decides to take it home before they fuck i know it's it's a little bizarre it doesn't really make a lot by the way they say love you to each other uh he says it first um, when he's sort of bidding her goodbye and then her saying it at the end is like mm-hmm. her first like reciprocating mm-hmm. it. They've known each other for like a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, most of which time he's been a patient in a hospital. It's Right. And then the and half of that time he was being 
bananas. I think we're supposed to, in spite of that, I think we're supposed to let rationality go and we're supposed to buy into that though. I think we're supposed to believe that like they were in love and they found something and. And like I said, in another time world, they might've been really cute and Mm -hmm. happy together. Like they clearly did have something. They just didn't have the time to express it. And like, to be honest and fair, like that happens in a lot of movies because those sort of situations pull that out of you, you know? Like, if, of course, like, if this person you just met who you got along with so famously, even though he was going through so much and he's a werewolf and he's about to die and you feel something for him, of course you love him. Like, there is no other option. Yeah. Of course you love that person that you want to stand in front of all these bullets and, like, protect him. Yeah. So that's, you know. That's how you know it's real. It's fair. But, like, also... Alex, you could do so much better, girl. Yeah, like, I was going to say. So Please go find someone else other than that. As we have said many times, Now Screaming is an advice podcast, and I did write this down. Women of the world, you can't not, save them. Do not fall in love with Davids. Not people named David. People like David mm-hmm. who are fucking eccentric and crazy and say crazy shit to you, who you just met and who want to come home with you because they're from a foreign fucking country. Don't do that. Don't do it. They Don't. might not be a werewolf, but they might be something else. They might just be dick bags. <laughs> just don't do it. It's not worth it. I agree. All right. I'm glad you co-signed that. <laughs> I co-signed that. Don't take men home from the hospital who tell you that they're werewolves. Even if they're so If they cute. say I'm a werewolf, just move on. <laughs> Walk away. Dick is abundant and low value. (laughs) What else do you love about this movie? I love the soundtrack. I was hoping you would say that. The soundtrack is amazing. Every song has the word moon in it. As we said, uh, Bad Moon Rising, Blue Moon. Well, there's three blue moon dances. There's three blue moons. Mm -hmm. The one at the beginning. The the opening credits. Opening credits, the transformation scene, and then the closing credits. Which, by the way, we sort of went past it. The transformation scene is completely soundtracked to this. It's a slower version of Blue Moon. It's very mm-hmm. sweet. It's soundtracked to that with just like David screaming, screeching, and like the noises of bones cracking and stuff. Oh. It's not, and then like, and then like, there's a, no there's like a half werewolf growl, but there's no score under it. It's just Blue no. Moon playing. Well, there's and then horrible guttural noises. That's another of fun trivia fact for you. Um, the score of this movie is like seven minutes long. Like there is no score. Yeah. It's mostly silent. And I met, uh, there was a, there, I know this from the research I did. Um, people were really excited to like hear a full score. They were like, oh, like we hope the score will be released. And then the writer, the you know composer was like, it's seven minutes, my dudes. Like you can have it. But that's all there is. Like it's a really great score, but it doesn't, it's barely exists because it's I only. Hope, I really hope they put out a seven inch single. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's only to, um, like, sequence, like, a dramatic moment. Well, it's, yeah, I can like, hear... it's not a full song. It's just, like, it's the same way that it's going to be, like, bum, bum, bum. You know, it's well, just, it's almost just music. But it's only, it's not the way that you'd picture, like, a score playing over a whole scene. No. It's just to, like, signify specific moments. It's pretty good, though. Which is very, I think that's very special, is that most of the time this movie is silent. It's a good score, though. It's a great score. I, again, I can hear it in my head right now. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. But the soundtrack is also amazing. All the music in the screen. And they're all three, do you know, do you know all, the, all three Blue Moons? Like, who sings each one of no, them? No, I don't. Because they're all very, I don't know either, but they're all very different. Um, like you heard from Evan singing, yeah. uh, it's the last one is very doo and it's very upbeat, whereas the one in the middle is very slow. Do you know what the one in the beginning is like? No. 
Neither can I. I think it's a very standard blue moon. Blue moon is a standard. <laughs> it's a standard standard. So what do you not like about this movie? I have a couple things if you have, if you don't have anything. Um I have plenty more topics of things I like. I actually don't know what I don't like. Like I said, this time I was really struck by like how douchey broy eighties their dialogue at the beginning is. And I think that's also, you know, as I've aged, I've become more disillusioned with that kind of humor, including pretty much all of the John Landis movies I just named. I liked less than I did when I was, you know, a teenager. Yeah, the Animal House Curse. Yeah. Uh, or even, you know, Coming to America or something. I mean, still, you know, Coming to America is probably the best of those. And Blues, you know, Blues Brothers is the best. Blues Brothers is the best. But I like it less than I did when I was younger. Because um, I just think that kind of humor is less mm-hmm. my bag. And mm-hmm. I think that there's so much smart, sharp humor. I mean, even I think it's a good dick joke. The... I had a look. I think it's like a good way to pull that off mm-hmm. versus what happens at Animal House or, you know, that right. sort of thing. Right. But it's not, it doesn't all land, I guess. Um, and I'm it's... really reaching here for things to say I don't like because I really love almost everything about this movie. All right. Well, I can tell you things I don't like if you want. What don't you like? I hate the... Um, hate. I hate it. I actually do hate it because it, it, it must make sense to some people it doesn't make any sense to me is most of the dreams that David has are about him running through the forest and they make perfect sense. I know you have a look on your face. You're going to tell me that I'm wrong about this. I can't wait. Um, He has one dream where like demon wolf things come into his home and murder everyone, uh, including him. And then he like wakes up from that dream and then another one kills um, Alex. And then he wakes up from that dream it's a whole thing. And I didn't know they were Nazis. They are Nazis. They're Nazis. I found that out later when I was reading the trivia. Um, I found that they were Nazis. I did not know they were Nazis. I still don't really get it. It's a very weird sequence. It's like really bloody and there's fire and bombs and um, machine guns. And it all just feels like so off from what the rest of the movie is. What and don't you like? What do, just, what do you hate? It feels, you have to hate? It feels so out of place. It feels super unnecessary to me. I don't need it or want it. Tonally, it's such a shift. It takes me so out of it. Out of, like, the movie that I'm watching. And I don't... I. Eh, it's it's just super weird and I don't like it. And I don't understand the point of it. Please, if, you, if there's a point to it that I'm missing, please explain it right now. Uh, the two times I watched it, I did not understand it and... When it happened again this time, I was like, oh, I remember this. Why is this here? Why does this exist? It's so weird. So, I think you're extremely wrong. I okay, think that go ahead. Please tell me. I don't understand. Maybe it's just my perspective of I don't think this is grounded in one tone. So I can't, I don't find it tonally inconsistent at all. I think we, should, we haven't really talked about his other dream sequences. So like some of them are him running through the forest and some stuff that I feel like is almost like if listeners who haven't seen this but have seen Evil Dead... Which, I don't know what Venn diagram that fucking is. <laughs> it's like the shots along the ground in Evil Dead. I, this is, oh, like of someone running. Yeah, I really... But you're seeing it from their eyes. Having just said that, I don't think there's a single person who has not seen this but has seen Evil Dead. What a strange world that is. <laughs> there's like stuff like that. There's my favorite shot in the movie, which is our featured image for this episode. Mm-hmm. Which is... He's like in a hospital bed in a forest. Well, he sees himself in the hospital bed. He's running and then sees himself in the hospital bed with Alex standing over him. And then he looks up and it's like 
it's not really werewolf. It's not really, it's, it's sort of demonic. It's like white face with yellow teeth. It's great. And yellow eyes. Yeah. But it has no, it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, it's just his, that, that's like irrelevant it's, to werewolf. It's more connected. There's because he also kills a deer. He has a dream of like one of his first dream is that he like, sure, but that has nothing to do with the one that I'm deer. talking about. That's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm not saying all the dreams are relevant. I'm saying that like, that's another thing that has no context. It's just shorter. Right. So the Nazi mutant orcs dream sequence, they look like orcs. Um, they do look like orcs. They're like goblin pig yeah. wolves. I think that it is, in a way, the most mystifying part of this movie. Because I agree that it is contextually like divorced from everything else. I just also think that these other dream sequences are. I just think that like we, there's not as much to them. For me, I think one of the, the keys to it is the sort of tongue-in-cheek clip of The Muppet Show playing at the beginning. Yes. Which is... Punch and Judy and um, Kermit and Miss Piggy talking about it. And Miss Piggy's line is, you call this violence art. And Kermit's like, oh, it's Punch and Judy. They've always been that way. <laughs> Go on. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I have like, I don't, I have a, a reading of it to like pitch at you and then you'll understand this and the light bulb will go on. But I think there's a lot of different ways to read it. I think that, I mean, first of all, David's Jewish, right? That's a thing in this movie. Mm-hmm, he we is. can assume, yeah. No, no uh, he is because um, the actor said you can never, you can never actually film my penis because I'm not circumcised, or because I am. What, whatever the one that's not Jewish. Sorry, I am so clueless about penises. Okay, uh, good to know. <laughs> whatever the one, whatever the one that is Jewish, the actor is not. So he was like, John Landis, don't film my penis because it's not correct. It's not the Jewish one. John Landis is Jewish, and. I don't think that you throw Nazi mutants in this movie for no reason. I think that's, you know, important. Um, I think what it has to do... I mean, do you want me to pitch a reading at you? Like, basically? Sure. I think it has to do with the, the brutality. Because it is, it is more grotesquely, like, viscerally violent mm-hmm. than anything else we see in the movie. I think it has to do with the brutality of, like, them as monsters. As something inhuman and so like making the nazis something inhuman the way that david is now inhuman the way that david is now this brutal agent of you know of massacre which is what he'll go on to do and he sort of knows subconsciously that that's what's going to happen uh regardless of you know what's going on and that's sort of what is going on in all these dream sequences is him reckoning with himself as monster and i think this is it's just tying it into an example of, I guess, I don't know an example, but it's like linking it to something that is also um, <laughs> real monstrosity in humankind, I think is what it's going The at. Nazi aspect. Yeah. I hear you. I think that that is a good explanation, but I think that it still doesn't make sense because the other two dreams, as much as you're trying to kind of pitch them like they don't, like they're equally confusing and baffling... They're not because they're very related to him being a, a werewolf in my mind. And I, guess, I think this is, I mean, I think this is equally related. I, think I don't, I disagree. I think that like having it in his family home, not well, at a flight. Because that's what it's about. It's about him being a threat to his family, right? So like, it's it's not just him it has, being a threat to Alec. It has it's not a him very being, yeah. different feeling to it, I think is what I'm saying. Of course it's, it does. But why is that, why is that a problem? Because it feels inconsistent. That's that, that, and that was my main concern. But why do you need consistency? I like it. I don't it's know. It's a bad fucking dream. Bad fucking dreams don't have to be 
You never all, all three of them are bad dreams. No, but well, you never have no, nightmares. That's, that what, I was, that's, that's what I was. Gonna, that's what I was going to say. Is that actually like the thing that I do like about it is that it's not as cut and dry as dreams as as the other two dreams in a way that dreams actually are. Which is that like if you're nervous about something, you're not going to dream that exact thing happening. You're going to dream about something else that's like tangentially related and comes back to it. So in that case, the Nazi you know war pig dream makes more sense than anything, but. The other two dreams are so related that they, that that one feels one of them like something is off. You know, they're not they're not being consistent with each other. Like the dreams are, I don't know. It just felt weird think, to me. I think you're asking for symmetry for no reason. They're, like I I hear you. I don't think it needs to be symmetrical. I don't think that it needs to have, especially because it's a dream. Dreams don't have have to have anything to do with each other. You can have really realistic dreams and they're really surreal dreams and... Sure, but he's having werewolf dreams. He's having werewolf dreams. He's having dreams about himself, about monstrosity. And this this dream especially is about threat to his family and then the meta dream is a threat to Alex. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, I... I hear you. I still think that it's 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 weird. It's a very weird I agree sequence. it's weird. I don't... I, I'm not denying that it's weird and I'm not denying that it's different from these other dreams. I just think that it's... There's no reason for it to be consistent. And again, I also think that, like, like I alluded to, I think that there is an aspect to it that, sure, maybe this was at least in part inspired by, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this crazy thing? And I think that, like, we see The Muppet Show for quite a while. That's like a, a not insignificant section of... And I think there's there's a winking, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge mm-hmm. in the, you call this violence art of that. And I think it's, it's commentary sure, that, that on brutality in in horror as well i guess that just makes it almost feel like it's it's its own little like short film separate from this movie i don't know i i hear all the things you're saying i actually agree with you that those are all very good readings it's just it's so i don't know well it, like, like i said i don't have a, i don't have a prescription here i can't i can't tell you exactly what it's it's doing or even what john landis intended which is sort of irrelevant to me i I don't have a clear picture. Every time I watch this, I am also puzzled by it. I, mm-hmm. I totally get where you're coming from. I think when we watched together a year ago, I was sitting there and I was like, God, what, what, what is going on <laughs> yeah. here? I, I think that that, the fact that it troubles the viewer is part of what it's trying to do. It's trying mm-hmm. to unsettle and it's trying to, again, I, you want consistency. I don't think it's interested in that. I think it's interested in like, really fucking up David's brain at the very mm-hmm. least, you know, and, and showing that he's, things are not going well in his subconscious. And it has the same effect on the viewer that we were like, I don't know what's, I don't know how, what to reckon with this. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, the interesting thing about the violence is art thing and the Nazi aspect of like monstrosity in human form, um, is it almost feels too dense for this movie. Not that this movie isn't dense, but the rest of it plays out in such a clean, simple way that that sort of like super 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 dense reading not that that's like wrong it just feels so strange that this scene would require such a dense reading when nothing else in the movie does i don't know i think there's stuff going on quote unquote behind the scenes meaning the afterlife with the undead aspect i think there's there's plenty that that can get pretty dense i i don't know what you mean i i guess the movie doesn't demand it but you know there's a whole there's a whole world here, again, referring to sort of 
what's so effective about this movie, like everyone has lives beyond when we see them. The Jack makes some comment, I think in the movie theater, where it's like, oh, we thought it was best if you didn't see them. And so there's now there's a we referent that isn't, that's Jack and someone else, but isn't the people that David has killed. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole other world. And I think that, I mean, first of all, there's a religious reading of that. There's a way, there's a way to take that. There's, you know, the lineage of werewolf dumb to sort of uh, glom onto that as well. But I think that's also complex. That, but that feels pretty standard for horror movies. I just, I, I think that like that didn't occur to me that I had to be like confused about that. That's a world that exists in so many movies of the afterlife as it pertains to paranormal things, you know, like werewolves, like ghosts coming back to talk to you, you know, like that's implied in a lot of different things. And I guess it just didn't occur to me the same way. And again, I mean, I think, I think I sort of got at this, but there's an aspect to to this Nazi mutant orc dream sequence that maybe you're not supposed to read it. Maybe it is. It's just supposed to be a horrifying dream. Yeah. And because we have all had horrible nightmares that really unsettle us and that there's no, there is no other end of it. There's no way to interpret it. And maybe, maybe David doesn't remember it when he wakes up, you know, the way that 10 seconds after you wake up in a, in a sweat that like that. It's already fading away. It's totally ephemeral, but it was a thing that like really fucked us up for that moment of the subconscious. Mm -hmm. It could just be that. And I agree that not a lot of movies and it is sort of like, I don't want to say out of place, but it is sort of this little island in this movie. It's of, also a long sequence. It's one of the reasons it feels so weird. It's I, it's it's kind of it's you're supposed to think it's a flashback at first. You don't even realize it's a dream. Mm-hmm. It feels like a long. I totally agree, but maybe maybe it maybe it just totally defies. Again, I'm not lending myself to this. It defies uh, explanation or having a purpose other than just being brutal and upsetting. Sure, you know, which yeah. is it's totally possible. Right. Well, it, it actually, now that I'm you said brutal and upsetting. The other thing that upsets me about this movie is the end before David gets killed. Like I said, I think I mentioned the it whole briefly sequence. in our, yeah. the whole sequence of David like escapes from the David as werewolf, werewolf yeah. David escapes from the um, porno theater, porno theater. He's running around all of the sudden cars are just careening and crashing each other. And like, in a way that it's 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 beautifully choreographed. It is really well choreographed as from a you know directorial standpoint, but it is so gratuitous. It is just bodies flying left and right, cars slamming each other, like people getting thrown through windshields. It's so violent. I agree. It's really unfun. Yeah. And I think I I a hundred percent agree. I think that I think brutal is actually the word I used in my notes for that too. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's total chaos. It is countless people are getting maimed and hurt just Run by over. virtue of the chaos, not yeah. just like it's not like David it's not related to David running at through all. No. tearing people apart. No. No, it's just like it's a madhouse and it is it is really unfun to watch. Mm-hmm. The actually the interesting comparison, you've seen Blues Brothers, right? I have not actually. Wild. Um, <laughs> there's a sequence in Blues Brothers where they're driving through a mall. I assume the Venn diagram of people who have seen this at Blues Brothers is a circle. Probably. <laughs> Except Probably. for you. Except for you. Um, where they're driving through a mall and it's similarly chaos and maybe someone will listen to this and think this is a fucking horrible comparison. But it's sort of like the other end of that, which is that's like, that's madcap comedy of like, oh, now they're going through. We're driving through a mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. It is, it is shot similarly, I think just because it's John Landis and 
there's only so many ways that he can do cars running around crashing and things mm-hmm. blowing up um but it's like that but it's so dark and unfun yeah and there's actually something about it that like you you picture in your head you're like okay if i was at a car accident like if i if we were at that there was like a four-way stop near my house if i was at that four-way stop and somebody you know crashed a car and the car drove into like the bar on the corner and people would flee and that would kind of be the end of it because that yeah. that would be like That'd be the only piece of that puzzle. The car would be in the bar. People would be running. That's it. The way that it happens in Piccadilly Circus, it's like um, like a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. Where it's like a car crashes into a person. That person falls. That person hits another person who stumbles into traffic. And then another car hits them. And it's like this horrifying cause and effect thing where a car doesn't just hit a person and they die. Then that person flies out of the windshield and they hit somebody else. And a policeman, his gun goes off and it shoots somebody. And that person falls into traffic and makes another car swerve. Like it's just this endless, like the interesting thing is horrifying thing. You describe us describing it right now makes it sound so silly. It's not. And it's, I mean like, it's not as horrifying. Listening to what you just said. Yeah, I heard it too. It feels very, I mean, describing as Rube Goldberg machine. That's something right there's mirth there it's yeah. like you know it's, it's a it's a death it's a rube goldberg death machine it, but it's not fun at all no, it's and not. it's i think that's such an interesting expedition again specifically john landis comedy director working in a, a comic movie there is this like juxtaposition of tone of mm-hmm. a naked american man stole my balloons and, and 20 minutes later bodies, bodies, bodies. just like uh, uh, god it's miserable yeah it is, yeah so you hated that aspect of it I, I, think it's I other... said at first that I hated it. I hated it because it was because it, it wasn't fun. I There's, agree. Again, again, same thing as the werewolf thing. Like werewolf thing. The werewolf transformation that I was horrified by. Oh yeah. Um, there's understanding like something is necessary and good, and also being horrified by it. And I think that's why, like, you're right. I put the end bloodbath thing more with the werewolf transformation than with the Nazis because yeah. I don't understand the point of the Nazis. Right. I do understand the point of this unbelievable bloodbath right yeah and i think it's, it's effective in what it's trying to do which i think is make us really like, uncomfortable and really unhappy. dissociated and mm-hmm. confused and un- yeah unhappy uncomfortable yeah I, yeah i think i totally agree with everything you said i just i see it as part of the juxtaposition of tone that it's doing i do so, too yeah. i just was you know so horrified by it everything else like i said I, a lot of my notes are about having fun so i yeah. was picking out the ones no. where i was like i'm not having fun anymore i totally hear you what else did you uh, want to say about the movie? Before I get into my trivia facts. Oh, what else were I to say? Well, I have, a, I, have a, I have a trivia fact that can kick us off, maybe. Okay. You alluded to this earlier, but the porno movie that David goes to see is called See You Next Wednesday. I think the subtitle is like a nonstop orgy. Something like that. <laughs> Probably. It's an Easter egg in most, but not all, John Landis films that he works the line See You Next Wednesday in. I think in Blues Brothers, it's like on a billboard or something. It's a line from 2001 A Space Odyssey that I think he was writing a script and he was maybe going to call it See You Next Wednesday, or maybe that's just a gag. But he sort of like works that phrase into a bunch of his films just for fun. As, as we talked about earlier, the what's happening in the porno theater is that Jack comes to him again. At this point, he's been de- decomposing over the course of the film. Every time we see him, he's more decayed, but he's still, he's undead. So mm-hmm. at this point, like he's basically black and his flesh is all rotted again. He's, a, he's like he's a puppet. It's actually for the first time he's a puppet. The first other couple times we see him, it's, it makeup, is, it's makeup. This time he's actually just like he's just eyeballs on a puppet. Yeah, 
it's really grotesque and again really it's effective it's we've seen him you know in all these states of decay over the course of the movie and it really underscores the gravity of hey david kill yourself because this this is a miserable I f- existence I, i'm sorry i forgot to talk about that his original one where he comes to him his like the his slash. entire throat is slashed and there's a little bit of skin flapping whenever he talks and it makes me want to cry i hate it but like obviously you know something but rick baker's a love genius. it it's incredible it's amazing makeup work Anyway, so what's happening in the theater is that uh, David's confronting all the people he killed last night, and they're all like, yeah, you cut our life short for no reason. Kill yourself, Kill yourself so that we can rest. What's happening is this porno movie, and I I don't know why. I find this so, so funny. See You Next Wednesday is so funny. <laughs> it is funny. The I have, I have an excerpt of dialogue. The first guy walks in. He's got a mustache. He's a Burt Reynolds type. Walks in on uh, a man and a woman making love. Says... You promise never to do this kind of thing again. The guy responds, I promised you no such thing. (laughs) The angry man says, No, not you, you twit. Her. (laughs) Woman says, I've never seen you before in my life. What is the story? Oh, sorry. And he just turns around and leaves. That's what's happening in this movie. Oh my God. That is fucking hilarious. So I I looked at actually the screenplay and the screenplay, at least the, the draft that I read, has, like, a movie is playing to be determined later. Mm-hmm. They hadn't, like, worked that out at that point. So I want to know, like, was that... Anytime that they shoot a movie or a commercial inside a movie, that's always fun. I want to know, like, did they did they improv that, like, oh, it's going to be a guy who walks in and... the well, guy had a like, separate director, oh. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure it wasn't John Landis who directed it. That's fascinating. I know. I don't know. I just, I love this, like, little sequence of, like, this really silly porn movie. Yeah over them talking to him yeah. telling him to kill himself yeah there's like yeah it's that it's a great sequence to them telling him to kill himself they're all they're brainstorming what he should do it with oh there's like a long list of like all the different ways that he could kill himself mm-hmm. i remember specifically the, the first woman that he kills the woman part of the couple she's very cheerful about it too yeah. she's like put the gun in your mouth and pull the trigger yeah. like it's she's no, very it's like, it's like if you put it in your mouth you'll be sure not to miss yeah <laughs> she's so cheerful and about david's it. like and she's got blood do i need a silver bullet face do i need a silver bullet and like don't be like, ridiculous you're an idiot it's so funny. Oh, and one of them, uh, what does he say? It was like, you killed me with your lunar carnivorous activities. <laughs> it's a good phrase. I love it. Yeah. Well, you ready for some trivia from my end? We yeah. mentioned some of them already, like the best makeup thing and filming oh, yeah. in uh, chronological order. But some of these I want to read fully to you because the wording of them is really amusing to me. Okay. Where are these from? These are from IMDb. The trivia section might be my favorite place in the world. I love this trivia section. So this is a little bit long, but bear with me. Okay. Only four American work permits were requested of the British government for the production. So there's four Americans. Who worked on this movie? Who worked in this movie. Director John Landis. Yeah. Makeup artist Rick Baker. And the actors David Naughton and Griffin Dunn. Yeah. Who plays Jack? Who plays Jack? The first three work permits were granted. Like, easy. But the British Office of Actors' Equity questioned the necessity of a work permit for actor Dunn, claiming there were plenty of young American actors living in Great Britain who could portray Drac. It was only when screenwriter-director Landis threatened to rewrite the script and retitle it An American Werewolf in Paris that the Equity Office reconsidered the application and granted Dunn his work permit. That is fucking hysterical. That's my favorite story. Well, you know, American Werewolf in Paris is the sequel. Is it really? Which is terrible and almost unrelated but it is like it exists that is incredible it's i so can't believe funny. jet latest is like oh i'll make my movie elsewhere assholes oh um, i'm sorry do you want this movie called american werewolf in paris i didn't think so that's amazing uh this is a quick one 
John Lannis reported that when he was approving the high-definition transfer of the film for a DVD in the mid-2000s, he was taken aback by how gory the film actually was. He was like, oh shit, this is a bloodbath. Well, it I is. made this movie. <laughs> um, Rick Baker was very disappointed by the amount of time spent shooting the face changing shot for the transformation because he spent months working on that, like, face mm-hmm. makeup mechanism. Uh, John Landis only required one take lasting about seven seconds, and Rick Baker was like, how fucking dare you? Oh my god. He was like, I wasted my time. But then, he saw the film with an audience and they applauded during that se- that uh, seven second shot. So he was like, it's fine. That's so sweet. <laughs> I know, it was adorable. Another sweet John Landis Rick Baker story. John Landis was trying to get this film made for uh, eight years. Holy shit. Yeah, and Rick Baker got tired of waiting and was like, I'm going to use all my werewolf stuff on the 1981 other werewolf movie, The Howling. Oh, my God. And then Landis called Baker and was like, I have the money. We're going to do American Werewolf. And Baker's like, I'm already doing The Howling. <laughs> and Landis started yelling at Baker over the phone. <laughs> so Rick decides to leave uh, The Howling in the hands of his protege, Rob Botton, and it would only consult, leaving him free for uh, American Werewolf. Reportedly, Rick Baker's initial decision is something for which John Landis has never forgiven him. So we were talking earlier about how um, the camaraderie and uh, companionship between yeah, yeah. Jack and David in the beginning is very, very strong. Um, it's not acting. It's because in the beginning of uh, this movie, there was the you know their first time filming. Um, it was very cold and damp in Northern England, and as uh, it always is, as it always is. And Dunn's nose was running, so while delivering a line of dialogue, uh, Naughton glanced over at Dunn just in time to see Dunn catching and wiping away a stream of snot running from his nose. Naughton laughed at the sign of, sight of Dunn's discomfort, making Dunn begin to laugh while responding to Naughton's line of dialogue because of the spontaneity of the shot and because the scene was largely improvised anyway. John Land decided to use that imperfect shot. So that's why, like, they're laughing and they're having fun together, and it's because <laughs> Jack is yeah. wiping away boogers from his nose. I love it. I do like that this, like, that's, that really speaks to, like, just how real this movie seems, you know? And, of course, like, it feels it, so lived in. They're improvising. They're laughing at each other, like, in real life, and so it comes across very real. Um, the people gathered around the porno theater at the end really thought there was a wild animal inside. So when he's, like, in there scratching and there's people running out screaming, going, there's a wild animal. The people out there are not extras. They're real people, and they thought there was a wild animal inside there. So John Landis didn't tell any of them it was fake. So when he bursts out, some of the screams are genuine. <laughs> the last one relates to... The longest conversation of this podcast, the nightmare with the Nazis, and this trivia fact is how I learned they were Nazis, because mm-hmm. I didn't know before, confused audiences and led to some walkouts. David Naughton and Griffin Dunn both loved it, um, although... It, imagine walking out of this movie, like, <laughs> at that point, like... Be like, I, I refuse to stand for these Nazis. I'm confused. I, I want to leave. I want to leave. Um, David Naughton and Griffin Dunn both loved it, although Naughton recalls one issue he had, uh, which was the stuntman who was holding the real knife to my throat couldn't see out of the mask. So he was, like, terrified. And then I read a different trivia quote that apparently that was Rick Baker holding the knife to his throat. So I don't know which one of those is true. Maybe. None. Maybe he just didn't know it was Rick Baker and was like, that stuntman's holding a knife to me. But, like, you know. That's crazy. So that's all the trivia. There's actually so much more on IMDb. Those are, like, the... That's a sampling of all the trivia facts in there, there's a million. I love this movie. I love it too. Just because there's things I don't like about it doesn't mean I don't I know, like it. I know. I know. You I just re- want me to have completely 100%. Just be on board. I am on board. I'm fully on board. Yeah, this, is, this isn't the best movie I've ever seen. I'm... Yeah, what did, you, what did you rate it on Letterboxd? I don't know. I gave it my coveted three and a half star rating. Are you ready to uh, 
back this down an alley and shoot it to death and then sob over its corpse? No, I'm not. It never works with the movies we actually like. But I'll miss it. See, Let's I'll miss keep it, it the way that Alex misses David because I love it. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the appropriate it's thing. It's real love, too. We'll watch it get murdered in front of our very eyes. I don't want to. Are you ready? Ready for what? To spin the roulette. Let's spin that roulette. All right. Our next episode will be... The Lazarus Effect. I feel like this has been on your list for, like, years. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch it for a long time. All right, I'm ready. Was that Olivia Wilde? Yeah. Oh, Marsha Plus. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Let's do this. I'm so ready. So, once again, The Roulette gives us a movie from 2015. <laughs> As... It is obsessed. They love it. It is obsessed. Netflix loves it. With 2015. I think that mm-hmm. half of our episodes are 2015 movies. I think half these movies are 2015 movies. <laughs> I think that it was just a year that everyone decided to make whatever horror movie had been living inside their hearts for their entire or, lives. Or is it the year that Netflix decided to buy in bulk? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is what it is. <laughs> Give us every 2015 horror movie you have. All right, I'm excited. I'm ready. I hope this is good. I've heard very mixed things. Oh, really? But it's got a good cast. I'm and. Ready. I don't know anything about the director. We should 100% try to have fun with this. I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. So our next episode will be The Lazarus Effect. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. If you love American Werewolf in London as much as we do, leave us a review telling us how awesome we did recapping it. Please do. I know we were so good at it. I know. Our Nazi conversation went on for like 20 minutes. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you to Wes Craven for in 2005 making a little movie called Cursed, which was the first horror movie I ever watched, as I mentioned before, and is a far inferior werewolf movie, but eventually led me down this path. And what I learned yeah, about Cursed true. today, believe it or not, is that uh, he had to reshoot the whole thing, and that's why it's so bad, is because Aww. all of the actors were replaced, and the studio was like, no, this is a, it's got to be PG-13, and he spent two and a half years making a movie that he hates, and everyone involved hates. And well, for every American werewolf in London, we've got a cursed, <laughs> we've got a terrible horror movie. That's uh, hysterically. So funny. thank you, Wes Craven, for toughing it out and uh, being in our lives anyway. Yep. yep. Thanks for making bad werewolf movies that lead us to good werewolf movies. Yes. Yes, indeed. All right. All right. Howl at the moon, everybody. Howl <laughs> at the moon. Blue moon. She moves it, I don't know the words. All right, bye. Bomb, 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 dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon, 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 blue moon, dip, 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 moon, 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 moon.